Welcome to American Conversations. Tonight, we are very lucky to have Tom Stevens, who's, a, I believe, a former SEAL in the early 80s. Is that right, Tom? That's correct. And then you served as a contractor in the Gulf War, kind of cleaning up the mess after uh, we got rid of Saddam. Uh, so tell us about yourself, uh, your background, anything else you want us, our audience to know, and uh, how, or how you got involved in the evacuations in Afghanistan. I was working as a defense contractor in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I was training the Afghan border police uh, and our interpreters who helped us to stay alive and do our job. Uh, many of them are at risk from the Taliban because they were loyal allies to the United States military and to the contractors. The contract I was on was a U.S. Army contract, and so it's the same thing as being loyal to the army when they were loyal to us as contractors. And so I wanna help get these men and their families, their wives and children out of Afghanistan before the Taliban capture them, torture them and kill them. So um, you, you were talking about some specific situations that you're involved with now. What can you tell us as far as those are concerned? I'm working with a couple of different groups. The primary one is about 150 veterans who are handling uh, between three and 4,000 uh, American citizens and Afghan allies, uh, trying to get them money to sustain them while they're hiding and waiting for airlift out of Afghanistan. Do you think the story has left the front page of the news? Or, yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. Yes, very sadly it has. People have gone on. American attention span for many people is very short, whatever's fun, but we need to stay focused on this. These are people's lives, people who trust us, who we gave our word to, and we cannot abandon them. I know in the early days of this, you guys were, at least the people we've talked to already, were up all night, not getting any sleep for days and days and weeks. Is it still that way? Yes, it's uh, gone on ever since the 31st when the US pulled out and uh, it's not diminished. More people are joining in and we're finding, trying to find ways. We're getting some money to them. And there have been a few people who have gotten out, but there are many, many more who are waiting and hiding. What do you think the impact is on the U.S. government as far as our foreign policy going forward after this debacle? I can't see anyone trusting us to, and wanting to put their lives and their policy or their economies on the line to support us, which... The United States is the bastion of freedom. We're mm -hmm. what everybody truly wants to believe, the best of humanity. And uh, to have that shaken this way is, is a terrible disillusionment for people who believe in freedom and dignity for all human beings. How has this affected you personally, knowing that it was such a debacle uh, on the exit from Afghanistan, Thomas? And the the... I guess the well, effort you've had to put through to get people to do something. Yeah, I'm a 75 year old man, so I've seen a lot in my in my years, and uh, but it's still it's it's very disillusioning that you can't have faith in your government to keep its word when it's a matter of life and death. Uh, seems that so many politicians and and people in power can run off and play and have all kinds of fun on holidays and weekends, but not take their job seriously. They've been given a sacred trust by the American people 
and our support, our hard-earned tax dollars, and they need to use those as the sacred trust they are to support democracy and freedom around the world. Did you get to know uh, Afghanistan be before, I mean, when the Taliban ruled in Afghanistan? No, my first trips to that area were in 2005. I had previously been in Iraq for several tours and then started doing some in Afghanistan and, and eventually did some, some more of both. I did 10 tours in total. Did you see the progress that was made in Afghanistan for the women and the children? Oh, yes. Yeah, kids being Tell able to Tell us about school. that. Tell us about that. Put a, put a human face and story on that for us, because I think I think it's important for people to know there was progress with our pre, with the U.S. presence and allies presence in Afghanistan at that point. Well, most of my life, I've been an educator. I'm, I've been a teacher, a coach, a high school principal. And so education is very important. And before the U.S. went into Afghanistan, uh, the literacy rates, the estimations that I read, were about 25% yeah. and women right. generally, not at all. And so to see that change tremendously uh, and, and for the Western, for the many of the Afghans to take on our values and realize that it was possible to have wonderful dreams for your children. I have children, grandchildren, and a new great-granddaughter who's almost two years old. Bless your heart. And you want to, our children represent our dreams for the best of what humanity and the world can offer. And uh, and so for me to see these men, some of these interpreters who helped me have two, three, four children, sons and daughters, and they want them to have the kinds of opportunities that they have learned about on the internet. This is never going away, as they used to say in that song about, you know, you can't keep them on the farm once they've seen Paris. People have seen what's out there in the world it's never going to, away, going to go away, but there may be many suffer and die in the meantime. And I, I don't, it doesn't have to happen. We have the power to do that. We could retake some of those bases in Kandahar, Bagram, and facilitate the removal of all of those who were loyal to us and whom we promised. That was part of the deal in their contracts is we would be loyal to them and help them and protect their security in their lives. Do you think that America and the Biden administration has broken their word? Yes. Oh, absolutely. To walk out like that with no notice, leaving billions of dollars in equipment uh, that has helped to kill people. That equipment has been used to kill many people in the Panjshir Valley who were the resistance against the, uh, the Taliban and who continue to resist. And they're using American weapons against them. And the Chinese have come in uh, and will help them to fly and use the, the latest technology in our Black Hawk helicopters, our communication systems, our satellite systems. It's, it's a travesty. Tom, there's obviously been some rot in the DOD and in the U.S. government and our intelligence communities for some time. This didn't just appear uh, overnight. Uh, when do you think this kind of started? I mean, you've been in the military a long time. I have my thoughts, but I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are. Was it just when Biden came in or has this been going on for a while? Oh, no, I don't think uh, that, Sen that President Biden, I almost said Senator, I don't think that President Biden 
was the beginning of this. I think it's been uh, part of our society to be more about uh, what's my immediate gratification in the next 15 minutes than what are the principles that I that I live by, mm-hmm. that I build my life on. That's not most Americans, but it has writ- gotten into the popular culture. Some in the media and some in politics have taken the easy path because it seems to be popular to do so rather than to have some people try to, with a loud voice, threaten your peace, your security, bother you while you're at a restaurant or things of that nature. People need to say, this is who I am. And if you're not willing to stand up for it, uh, when a few rocks or threats come your way, then you're not worthy of the public trust that we give our politicians and the, the wealth that they're able to accrue while they're in politics. Good point. Very good point. So my question is, when did you get the call? How did you come to the fire on this? Was it before August 31st? Was it, did you see it coming? Uh, Yes, I've maintained a relationship with one of my interpreters ever since 2009 when I was there. Uh, He was very bright. Um, very Western in his thinking, uh, very progressive in, in his in his version of Islam, not vindictive, not a lot of the Old Testament anger. Uh, and we've kept in touch for these years. I've I helped him to escape to Pakistan when the in 2017 when the Taliban first came after him, and then after the Pakistani government kicked him out. Uh, they kicked all the refugees, all the Afghan refugees out after about a year. And then we tried to start uh, a yogurt business and a taxi business, and a couple of things to keep him and his family alive. So I've kept abreast of what's going on over there for the last uh, 10 years quite heavily. I haven't been contracting since 2013. Tom, how did you get started in getting involved for uh, helping people get out of Afghanistan in 2021? Okay, I had remained in contact with one of my interpreters from 10 years ago, and he started telling me it looked like things were going to be going bad when the rumors about the U.S. withdrawing were increasing the boldness of the Taliban and their operations that looked like they were going to sweep through the country. And when it actually happened and the airport fell, um, one of my SEAL veterans called me and said, uh, let's get something started. We've got to get these people out. We can't abandon them. Our government has, but we're not going to. So we now have about 150 veterans that are working with about 3,000 U.S. citizens and Afghan allies. Have you been successful in, in getting any of those people out? And have they, have they, are they in Kosovo, Albania? I mean, you know, some, some of the groups of people that have, and, and there's a lot in Doha, but when you've uh, yes. been successful, where have they gone? Uh, one woman who was a uh, women's rights activist in Afghanistan, very much wanted uh, by the, the Taliban, she was uh, managed to be evacuated to Germany. A women's rights organization got a hold of her. Uh, my guy had, had had grabbed her 
and taken her away from the Taliban uh, when they were after her, rescued her and a couple of other British citizens and added them to his family. And so he was running them to several different places in the country where we might get close to an evacuation. And then from Kabul, she was able to uh, get passage into Pakistan and from there fly to Germany. So it's great that someone was rescued and we want we want more of that. So explain to our audience how difficult it is from a logistical point of view when you have somebody and it might be one person and then 14 people because it's their family that they're not going to leave behind how difficult it is logistically because i think that it's really hard for people on the outside of afghanistan to understand this isn't just like you show up at the airport you show up at a border that you can get easy passage no these people have lost their homes they've lost everything and uh, it they have to go from friends house in the hiding in basements or to a motel and then the next hotel and the next one changing all the time their locations it's uh, it's very expensive and they have no means of making a living while they're doing this so they're completely dependent on uh, our support how can we help you as journalists uh, i would say try to if you can uh, use contacts in the u.s government especially the state department because the State Department can help facilitate and put pressure on the Taliban to work with getting people out. They can work to get people into neighboring countries, particularly Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. Uh, those are countries that would be accepting if the U.S. government knew how to contact and motivate the right person in the, in the governments there. But we have also heard, Tom, that um, the Russian government, Putin, uh, has basically said to some of the uh, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan governments, you know, you need to know who's coming across your borders because they may end up in our backyard. So it, how is the vetting process going for those groups of people that you're dealing with? Well, the vetting process is dependent on uh, what they call SIV applications. Mm -hmm. And if people have, have made those applications or um, for humanitarian parole, there's a couple of different applications people can make from outside the country. And if they make those ap applications and their backgrounds are supposedly checked in detail, uh, there's people like me who vouch for the different families that I'm helping to shepherd it out. And each of us has a number of families. Some people I know, I only have about 25 people that I'm working with. Some have as many as uh, maybe 55 or even closer to 100 that they're working with. So some people know a lot more because they were deployed there in the military much longer. So they developed uh, many more relationships. Um, and I think one of the problems is the Tajik government, like any government says, well, who do I negotiate with? Do I take advice from the Russians or I take advice from the Americans? Well, who's gonna be here to support my government and be a friendly government that I can trust? And the Americans on August 31st showed to everybody you can't trust us. At least it would be logical for another government to draw that conclusion and say, you know what, maybe I better get a better deal with the Russians or the Chinese or somebody else because the Americans, we used to think since World War II, they were the one 
or place that every every lover of freedom could count on. And we don't know if that's true anymore. So the reporters, if they try to get people in the State Department motivated with what the State Department, I believe, is supposed to be an arm of U.S. foreign policy, which should be to expand freedom and democracy everywhere. I don't know what other policies we should have, but that would be, I would suggest, is what journalists might make their goal. I can't think of a better message than that. Todd, can you? No, thank you, Tom, for your uh, for everything. I appreciate the uh, what you're doing, and thanks for talking with us. Well, thank you for for this help and the resources you've donated for this. I uh, really appreciate it, and I will definitely get in contact you when we have some good information, good news of. And please do, please do. We are open to to all the stories, good, bad, ugly. To, to motivate people to have compassion for humanity for those. And I've looked in over the last 20 years, I've personally experienced the power of prayer. So let's all pray for some, some good results and good movement in the hearts of people. That's the one place I think prayer can work is in moving and changing hearts. I've seen that happen amazingly. So let's pray for that. One last thing, Tom, how do, how do people donate to the cause? What's the best way in your opinion? There's a, one organization that I know called OperationRecovery.org is one good place to start. They are uh, funding money to the individual Afghans and Americans that are stuck there trying to get out. They try to get them uh, cash drops because it's very difficult to use Western Union or MoneyGram because True. that shows that it comes from America and that immediately identifies the person as someone that the Taliban would want to kill. So, but if you can donate to operationrecovery.org, they have uh, means of getting it through un underground means to get cash to the people on the ground and help them survive. Thank you, Tom. Do you have anything else, Christine? No, just thank you, Tom. God bless you. And God bless the people that are trying to help other people. Thank you so much. God bless you both.